Well, happy Friday to all of you out there. You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. The man with the hairy belly is Steve, Xbox Live Steveovich. And we are a month away from next-gen console release goodness in episode 195 today, October 16th, 2020. We have actually a wonderful uh, bundle of nerdy goodness that we're going to be going over uh, throughout the course of the program. Gaming news includes Ghost of Tsushima's 1.1 update, Overwatch Halloween 2020, and Cyberpunk 2077 vehicles. A lot of numbers in there. Movie news spotlights a ton of Spider-Man developments for Spider-Man 3, Joaquin Phoenix's new movie, and James Bond after Daniel Craig. And our topic of the day is... The PS5 UI impressions, which you can fast forward to if you look at the timestamps located in this episode's detailed section of iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Otherwise, just keep listening. Well, happy Friday also to you, Steve. Thank you. Welcome to the show, Steve. Welcome to yourself. Good to see you, Steve. Uh, thank you. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. This is a special Friday. You know why, Russ? I could take a stab at it by saying, happy anniversary, Steve. Well, yes, by the time people listen to this, it will will be my anniversary. But it was today, a year ago, that I woke up in the California side of things. The California side? Yeah, I flew in basically a year ago yesterday. I would have flown into California, taking pictures of the Golden Gate Bridge and Alcatraz on the way home. Commute traffic, good stuff. Wait, is this, this is when you were on your way into California to get married? Uh, well, uh, well, yeah, when, once uh, I flew in, not like on my way to the wedding. Oh, uh, right. But when I flew in. The purpose of you flying in was that your uh, future would be changed forever. Right. I will be accompanied by a bonded female from here on out. A bonded female. <laughs> bonded to me. Not to be confused with the bond girl? <laughs> no. No. So, um, yeah, I would have woken up and opened the door and smelled the California sea breeze. Eucalyptus. Yes. Anyhow, speaking of Apple, though, Russ, you mentioned that earlier with the uh, whole show and everything. Again, I, I one of my phones, one of my Androids, mm-hmm. kaputted on me. Uh-oh. And it was gave no- up the ghost. And it was nothing I did wrong. I, I, you I, didn't drop it in the toilet. Nope. I didn't pam- drop it in a beer. Nope. I pampered it. Didn't I, smash it on the floor nope, in disgust. Nope. Nope. Never dropped it. All of a sudden, now I, you know, I did some social media stuff on it, mainly for the show. That's pretty much about it. Mm-hmm. And so I turned it off one day, and then turned it on another day, and now it won't really turn on. I mean, it'll power up and then it'll say LG and then it'll power down and then automatically power back up and say LG and then power back down. Like, okay, one of these times it's got to say something else. So it's not an iPhone. No, Uh, but it reminded me, I'm just thinking like, Oh, new phones out. (laughs) Well, another phone's like broken. Do you recall what year you bought that phone? That would have been nineteen ninety eight. 
Yeah, and Nokia flip phone finally yeah. went out. Uh, <laughs> the, the, this is right when they went from analog <laughs> to digital. The dusty, trusty flip phone. Um, <laughs> no, so I would have bought this probably, I think, 2015. Uh-huh. But it is newer than, like, my iPhone 5S, for example. It came out, you know, a couple of years before. So I thought, well, I'll just take the battery out. You know, that's what you kind of do, you know, hard reset style. Sure. Take the battery out, wait for a minute or two and put it back in and power up, see what happens. Nah, it's pretty much dead, Russ. Frankenstein I, that crap man, out of that phone there, Steve. No water damage whatsoever. No cracks, no nothing. It's just, um, I, I'm, I'm leaving the battery out for a lot longer period of time. Now, I, I, I've even like drained the entire battery, put it all back in. Don't we'll you see. have like five phones? Uh, one, two, three, four, f- yes, five phones. Yeah. I, I did have six. No, I did have seven. Then, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um. So anyhow, well, I I would say this is a good thing. That one bit the dust, Russ. That one I have to go on to someplace and be like, hey, you recycle phones because uh, I feel funny about dropping <laughs> this in the trash. Um, <laughs> we sure do for ninety nine ninety nine. Yeah, oh, man. What <laughs> processing fee? Right. So anyhow, that's what's going on. I think I, I realized that the day of. I mean, because the screen was is a LG makes a wonderful screen, and I was actually going to watch the Apple press conference on my LG Android oh, screen. <laughs> gosh, come on! At it's least use an screen. iPhone. <laughs> well, my iPhone's smaller <laughs> than my LG. <laughs> So you, you, I think it's safe to say you are way overdue to get an update. <laughs> yeah. So what have you been playing and watching this Russ, week? Russ, I am up to man. So uh, let's see. No, I haven't really been watching a whole lot of stuff. I've been playing. I've been trying to catch up a little bit more on uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Mm-hmm. And I play a little bit more in the uh, squadrons. Although I kind of put that one down. I, put I, it I, down, I've been he said. trying to catch up. So we can finally talk about everything. Uh-huh. And, and it was funny. I was trying to stream it, and I couldn't stream it, Russ. So I was trying to stream it on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And then, so I thought, well, I, I I won't stream it, but then I don't want to do anything in the game that reveals more story unless I'm streaming. And so then I just went on searches for, like, fox dens and, like, secret stuff and found a couple extra, like sword uh, sheaths or whatever you want to call them. Uh, right. Scabbard, not scabbard. Maybe it's sword scabbard. I don't know what, what they call it. I, I know what you're talking about. You know about. what I'm talking about? I know what you're referring to, Steve. So I found a few more of those. Those are pretty good. Those are, those are nice. Well, that's good, Steve. Otherwise, uh, that's been really, that's that's been about it. I've really been trying to concentrate on my sleep. It's been a long week. Last week was a long week. This month is crazy. I'm surprised, though, that you have not beaten Ghost of Tsushima. Not yet, Russ. Steve, I get the feeling you're not putting as much time into that game as you should. Yeah, well, I will be, Russ. <sighs> you know, what we, like I said last episode, we were, you had some, well, a lot more time. I did not get, have yes, a lot. You I had did. like a week worth more time than you. That did. was pre Avengers and pre. Three squadrons, which I exactly. had to play so we would have have enough to, to review on. I believe I'm just about where you are in Avengers, Steve. 
Despite the fact that you were ahead of me there for a little bit. Uh Uh-huh. And I believe I'm probably ahead of you in Star Wars Squadrons as well, Steve. Oh, yeah. Where's that, Russ? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me go into that. (laughs) (laughs) I have actually been really enjoying Star Wars Squadrons. Uh, so much so, made my voice change. <laughs> hey, uh, but anyway, I am at the point. Let me think. Uh, there was a lot. So there there's, was there's a slop or there's a slot. There there was a lot. <laughs> there was one level in particular that was pretty recent that I did last night, where uh, they had a bunch of of these fuel depots, like Republic fuel depots. That uh-huh. are these orbs that are all kind of uh, connected uh, together, and you have to blast those, okay. and then. You're also taking out some of the helpless Republic medical uh, transport ships. And then it it finishes with Uh actually you having kind of like this epic battle with a larger Republican capital ship against your Star Destroyer, the Republican ship, Russ. (laughs) Republic. I think you said said Republican. Well, (laughs) it was a big elephant on it. I don't know. (laughs) No, like Republic ship. Like. It's 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 the English thing of the republic. Like like right. if you're if you're referring to something like you add the a n at the end of it anyway. But maybe maybe actually you know what it may be a technicality. Maybe it, like no matter what you just say republic or the old republic ship. Mm. I don't know when you're when you're referring to a classification of a ship in the new republic. How do you how how does one refer to it so that your grammar is correctly uh, represented. I have no idea. But that, I, that is really yeah, funny. That's, I don't know. Anyway, uh, so that was one of the levels that I was working through last night. I think I'm like in a level beyond that one at this point in time. Does that ring any bells for you, Steve? Um, it, well, yeah, I think that's exactly where I am, actually, because I am I finished the level where you are in the Y-Wing and you have, there's like these thermal, like, radiators or something like that that you have yeah, to blow up. I, very that, good. I did that one. Actually, the, the Corvette blew up and I thought, maybe I should redo that mission so the Corvette doesn't blow up. And then I thought, nah, let's keep on going. <laughs> <laughs> Next time when I uh, when I play it through on uh, like PS5 or something, I'll I'll do that. Make sure the Corvette doesn't blow up. But I just figured let's move on. Uh-huh. But I do. I, I hold on. No excuses, Steve. No so, excuses. Last show. It's time to get on that horsey and ride it to the end of Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> get on the horse and ride it across a, a Star Destroyer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put the oxygen tank on the horsey. Jeez. Not you. Um, so last show I said I, there was no way for me to look around the cockpit. Remember that? Remember I, remember. I do. And so then we went downstairs and you're like, yeah, take, check it out on PC. It's so much better than what you have. <laughs> and then, so we went down and I was like, so you can't do that either. And you're like, no, I can't. And so then on a loading screen, a loading it said, screen. oh, double tap R3. And yeah. then you can look about the cockpit. And then we did it. And I thought, yes. Okay. I knew there was some way to do it. So I go home that day after the show and I double check the controls and all it says is R3 to look around. That's all it says. And so when I began that mission with the Y-Wing, you know, I think you warp speed over there. I don't know. The Y-Wing is probably one of my favorites to fly. It's It's a a fun ship. It's a fun ship. So uh, it's a funion. So then I double click R3, and all of a sudden, I can look around. But 
So for the PS, the regular PS4, there's a bug. Because remember in the beginning of the game, how it says, oh yeah, it's uh, that you turn the, the left stick and that's how you roll. And the right stick's right. like when you maneuver, this yep. is how you shoot. Well, that well, after I finally do it, then it comes up with something saying, oh, yeah, look about the cockpit, double tap R3, and then, of course, it, it goes green instantly because I do it. Yeah. So that's on, like, mission seven, for crying out loud. You've, you've done so much and traveled to tons of different places where they're gorgeous and beautiful and you want to look around, and then either by mission seven, they just they programmed it to do it that way, or it's a bug that yeah. you have to stumble upon. Either way, it's terrible. Yeah, no, it's the game does have its fair share of bugs. Luckily, I don't think that there are any like um, game stoppers or show stopping bugs. But at the same time, there are certain ones that I've come across as well. One of the bugs that I've actually had to deal with was so I was streaming the game um, on our Twitch channel this this past Wednesday night at 930 p.m. Central Time, like we always do. And one of the things that has been um, a hiccup really is when I'm watching um, my stream going on, like on Facebook or on Twitch, the frames per second just drops. I mean, it looks like, like it's like five frames per second. It's really honestly unstreamable uh, for, for the most part. And so I was thinking, man, is, is there a setting? Cause I, I, I have already created presets within uh, the streaming software to be able to, to really optimize the, the streaming experience. So I looked online. Apparently, this is a known issue with this game. Like with Star Wars Squadrons, there is some sort of weird buffering thing that's going on and people don't know how to fix it. Um, even, I believe, even EA has admitted, yes, this is a known issue that they're trying to fix. So I felt a little more relieved about that because I was wondering, like, man, is it is it just my, my PC is not able to handle this? But it's odd that I'm, as I'm playing the game, it's a perfectly smooth experience. I don't have any kind of choppiness or slowdown or whatever. I've closed all the programs down. I've closed all the background programs down. I've closed all my websites and stuff uh, on my PC. So literally the only things that are actively running are the game and the uh, streaming software. So it's like, okay, what, what is what is going on here? So my hope is, is that they will come out with some sort of patch to be able to fix it. I, I'm not too sure what the, the situation is. And, and honestly, I mean, that's one of the things that I do like about console is it's, it's just plug and play. Like you, you start playing the game. If you want to stream, you start streaming and the, the types of bugs that you run into on the console side of things are more on like, like if you're trying to stream to like Twitch, right? Twitch may be having some sort of weird networking issue. Okay, fine. You have to deal with that. But for the most part, it's like, you don't have, all of these different types of, of issues that could potentially be the culprit, right? Like right. you don't have to worry about that. Having said that though, I've played this game both on PS4 as well as PC. And it is a completely different experience when it comes to the graphics fidelity. And I know I, you mentioned this already right when I showed you kind of an example of this, but even after I had showed you, I went into the, the video settings and I even amplified it up more to the point, like one of the things that's really nice on PC is that you can actually go beyond 100% of what the detail you see is when, as it applies to 4K. And you can go beyond that as long as your processors can handle it. My, and mine can. So I went, I, I ratcheted that slider up to 150%. 
<laughs> and it's, I mean, it looks so unbelievably crispy and clear and more realistic and the frames per second don't drop. I mean, they're, they're good. And so it, it is a different type of experience entirely because when I'm on the PS4, I find myself kind of like, yeah, okay, well, it just seems like it's kind of, you know, nothing really to write home about. And then I play that exact same level on the PC and I'm like, whoa, this looks gorgeous. And so there, I'm, I'm glad that I did get a copy of this for PC because I do think that there is something to be said for that kind of overall experience with the game. Um, and I, and I, for one, I've been having fun. I've been having a lot of fun with the game. I think that it is a, having gotten farther into it and seeing what the game has to offer in terms of the story, obviously I haven't tried the multiplayer out, but I do think it is safe to say a, a, a proper spiritual successor to one of the classics, which is X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. So, well, good. Yeah. So where are you in, uh, Avengers? Okay, so it's been a minute since I played Avengers because I've been really focusing um, all of my time on Star Wars sure, Squadron. Yeah, I got that. I believe, okay, so I'm, I think I'm like meeting up with Black Widow or something, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's where I'm at. But again, it's been a week or two since I, I've got, I, and I'm further. Uh, well, that's, that's good. You, you're, how much farther are you, Steve? Well, I have Black Widow. <laughs> I'll say that at the beginning. Um, and then, so I've actually played a little bit of uh, Thor. <laughs> oh! is right. So, yeah, things are, and I, and I just, uh, I actually, I just got the captain. Oh! Actually, no, I, I didn't just get him. I've been playing other stuff. Just got him, meaning like last week. Uh-huh. Wait, but you haven't been playing what? the game for a couple of weeks now, at least, right? Last time I played, that's where I was. Oh, it's been I played it all up until um, Squadrons came out, and then I put it away. Gotcha. Put it shelf. So let me ask you this. What? Riddle me this, Steve. Are <laughs> you going to be going back to Avengers to beat that game first, or are you going to continue with Star Wars Squadrons? Because you, you did say, it sounded like your interest was starting to wane a bit on the Star Wars of Squadrons. I think I, if I was going to put my priorities in line, that's, that's I probably would, a good plan. Yeah. I would say I'm going to finish Ghosts of Sushi. Uh-huh. Then, As well you should. Right. By the way, this doesn't have anything to do with anything. I, we were at Costco shopping the other day. Uh-huh. And we and Costco actually carries some sake. And so we looked and we thought, okay, 14 bucks. Okay, and the budget. We bought a bottle of this sake that they have. And I had a little bit with uh, while playing the game. <clears throat> Good, Russ. Uh-huh. Good stuff. Anyhow, anybody uh, like sake, go to Costco. Not endorsed by Costco, though. And make sure you're 21 <laughs> or over. Or make sure you're 21. Yeah, first things first. So, <laughs> anyway. I got my Costco card. Yeah. I'd like to apply for a Costco membership, please. <laughs> first, you, know, you have your fake IDs at yeah. bars. Now you get your <laughs> fake Costco ID to get in and get yourself some sake. <laughs> yeah. So, anyhow. Um, 
where was I? Oh yeah, by priorities. Uh huh. Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost you want to finish that one up? I'm gonna first. finish that one up now, and then it's gonna be uh, Squadrons, and then it's gonna be Avengers. Oh. But realistically, if I am able, it's probably gonna push me into November. November. You know, it's probably gonna push me into November. Right? November. Because we're already we're- midway through October right now. Uh-huh. And so with my schedule as the as it is, your schedule, my sketch, I'm not going to be able to beat this stuff anytime any really soon. You know, especially, especially me, hold on a second, <laughs> especially three games. Uh, I cannot. I'm not going to beat them in the next two weeks. Well, Russ. allow me to interject here for just a moment here, Steve. You know, you did take uh, a few days off over the weekend here. I, I know you Russ. have a five-day-long weekend there, Steve. I think that is a perfect opportunity to be able to catch up to your bro. Maybe, but that's... Uh, we'll see about that, Russ. I don't know how a wife is going to feel, but like, yes, anniversary. Go do what you want to do. I'm going to be in like <laughs> I'm going to be playing games. Priority, Steve. <laughs> so, anyhow... Uh, by, by the way, Steve, what? you have not wished me a happy anniversary yet. Uh, happy anniversary, Russ. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, I didn't thanks. know you guys were making it a big thing this year. <laughs> uh, well, we have been married for eight years, Steve. Ah, eight's a good number. <laughs> October 13th, remember that, okay? Put it away in your noodle. <laughs> Ocho. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't all about you, Steve. So, October's the month to get married, I tell you. A lot of my friends get married. I'm like, hey, you can't choose the 19th. That's my day. <laughs> There's only one person in our circle who can celebrate on the 19th. That's me. It does make it easy for us, though. I mean, as as the years go on, we can just be like, happy anniversary. Oh, well, happy anniversary to you. Thank you. <laughs> so we'll see what happens in November. Mm. Digressing back to the topic at hand. We shall see, because come November, I'm going to, you know, maybe if we can procure uh-huh. a system or two. Yes. Then it's going to be all about, uh, wait, I want to play some games that I love and adore on the on next gen. And, and uh, you know, Avengers just might have to wait. But mm-hmm. Star Wars might have to wait, too. But I think Avengers will wait longer. It'll be fun. i to be quite honest. I think also one of the questions that I have is, will these titles have some sort of patch when the next gen consoles come Gosh, up, because I think they will. Well, if you recall, Steve, Star Wars Squadron has no current plans to actually take proper Yet. advantage. Yet, Russ. Yes, I know. I'm referring to on launch day. Like, if if I'm by some stroke of luck able to uh, get in my grubby hand and Xbox Series X. I will not be able to actually experience a game like Star Wars Squadrons to its fullest extent, utilizing and taking advantage of the uh, amazing hardware. Said hardware. Yeah. But even so, I only have the regular system. I don't even have an upgraded like Pro or X. So why? Well, you have the Pro. Come on. The Pro. The PlayStation Pro. Oh, uh, I see what you're saying. Right. Yeah. So for me... I thought we were talking about Xbox. For me in particular, there's already patches out that make the game look better, Russ. So if I get the system, they're going to be like, oh, at least you can get the the 1X patch where it's going to be native 4K or upscaling or better lighting, better processing, whatever. Patches. So you're saying there are patches for the Xbox. So yeah, like for example. For Star Wars Squadrons or are you just just, just other games? I'm just saying in general. In general. I'm following you. My library altogether will take a notch up. I hear you. Already. I hear what you're saying, Steve. Are you sure about that? I, I hear you. I am perfectly willing to say it 
even louder if you <laughs> don't hear what I'm saying. I want to tackle you. <laughs> Man, I can't wait till COVID's over so I can wrestle you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do think when it comes to Avengers, though, and I need to double check this, but I wonder if Avengers is set to actually have some sort of graphics upgrade. I think so, Russ. I think I did read something you, about that. Because Crystal Dynamics is usually pretty good about that. In yeah. fact, I remember when the Xbox One X mm. got released and with their Tomb Raider titles, they were like ready ah. to go. <laughs> right, yeah. And that was one of the things that I checked out and actually I was really impressed with because it started to look almost as good as a PC counterpart. I think I remember Brad saying something about that too. Mm -hmm. I'm mistaken, I was. Bradley. Going and switching gears over to Legends of Runeterra. Brad Muffin. Uh, <laughs> I noticed that they have um, released what they call an expansion to the region. So all of the pre-existing regions, uh, you know, when you go into to like any given region and you see like where you are at with unlocking the various sure, the treasure chests yeah, right, yeah. and that sort of thing. The loots. So there are now, and actually they're calling them chapters. Uh. And so, like, for instance, there are certain ones like Demacia sure. or, or uh, Bilgewater that I sure. have yeah, yeah. actually maxed out. Oh, have you? And now there are about five new chapters, or not chapters, but five new uh, levels, so to speak, within ah. a brand new chapter for those. So I am no longer maxed out in those areas. I'm like, oh, well, that definitely tickles the OCD in me to uh, want to maintain my completed checkmark list. The uh, OCD or Oct. Yes. <laughs> Something along those lines. I have still failed to, as you pointed out, getting an Xbox Series X pre-order. I have no idea if... Uh, I Honestly, I think probably the only place that you and I will be able to actually get one is through eBay. Which, if that is the case, there are so many freaking people who pre-ordered an Xbox Series X with no intention of actually owning it and enjoying it. They just want to try and flip just it. Want to make, yeah, Russ, I'm, I'm patient. I will wait. Well, let, let me finish my thought here because this may perk your ears a bit. There are literally so many that are on eBay uh -huh. that it has driven the price down uh. to the actual price that you would pay if you found one to pre-order. So literally, you'd probably pay an additional 50 bucks, whoop-de-doo, for shipping and you'd have yourself a system. Well, I don't know. You, I've never, ever purchased anything from eBay in my... Have you sold anything in, on eBay? I have not. I haven't, Russ. Well, it's because you're cheap and you don't so, know anything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see the clothes I'm wearing today? Uh, They've been washed about 20,000 times, kept in good condition. <laughs> it's the only clothes I have. You had them since he was five. <laughs> but I don't need any clothes. All I need is a voice. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. I also played some Mario Kart 8 and Animal Crossing as per the typical daddy-daughter time. Mm. Uh, and so that was fun and uh, lighthearted, especially given the uh, no doubt. crazy year that is 2020. I, I'm glad that there are certain avenues to be able to put your cares aside. There you go. Well, let's pivot on over to some movie news. This is actually a, um, oh man, I'm, I'm really excited to, to talk to you, Steve. 
about this because there has been a bunch of Spider-Man news and this is shaping up to be, I think, pretty epic. So I'm going to start off with talking about how... Spi okay, so we're, we're, we're talking about Spider-Man 3, the movie, right? Sure. If you recall, Spider-Man Far From Home ended with kind of people finding out who Spider-Man was, Peter Parker, and, and you, you saw... Um, Oh, Jonah Jameson on the, the big screen, you know, talking and, and everything else. Yes. So apparently Jamie Foxx, um, who played Electro, and actually to, to briefly pause this. So I, I don't think I'll, I'll group you in with me. I have not seen the amazing Spider-Man one or two that um, featured uh, Mr. Garland. Uh, Garfield. Garfield. Thank you. The cat. <laughs> the Garfield, the cat. That would be weird. Um, anyway, Mr. Garfield was 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 Peter Parker in those films. I didn't see it, and I and I, I'm speaking for for you as well. So correct me if if you disagree on this. But like, I ended up um, not seeing it because it was one of those things where Sony was doing yet another reboot of Spider-Man, and I just felt like it was unnecessary because we had the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man going on and had three films and all of a sudden they wanted to like redo everything. And I was just like, well, you know, so I, I kind of lost interest in it. I probably should see it at some point because I have heard good things about the, the films themselves. So just wanted to get that out there. Going back to this though. So Jamie Foxx played Electro in uh, the amazing Spider-Man two. And apparently he is coming to the MCU which is really exciting. So Jamie Foxx's Electro from The Amazing Spider-Man 2 um, is poised to join up the MCU and uh, be in Spider-Man 3 with Tom Holland. And I have a quote here. It says, uh, story details are being kept under the mask, but having Fox return is a stunner as it shows a further melding of the previous Spider-Man movies into the current Holland series, which is the first one that has Marvel running point on production, um, which the Hollywood Reporter's... Uh, Bory's kit pointed out. So keep that in the back of your mind. Now, another development about it is that Benedict Cumberbatch is going to be joining Spider-Man 3 as well, reprising his role as Doctor Strange. So then this is also according to The Hollywood Reporter. Um, they broke the news of Cumberbatch's appearance. Uh, Doctor Strange will be acting as a mentor for Spider-Man in the new movie, with Tony Stark having died in Avengers Endgame. Spoiler! And uh, Nick Fury revealed to be in space at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home, if you remember that. Uh, Peter has been left without a super heroic father figure. So now Strange is going to fill that role. That's also exciting, too, because I, I could see how that could work itself out and play into another juicy nugget of information that I'm just about to go into. There's, there's a method to the madness here. Now, in the movie Spider-Man 3, apparently Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield have signed on to the film as well. So this, this was uh, something that broke, at least when I saw it, it was on Fandom Wire. But they previously reported that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were in talks for Spider-Man 3, uh, starring Tom Holland. But now a Sony source close and closely involved with Spider-Man 3 has confirmed that both of them are going to reprise their respective Spider-Man roles next to Tom Holland's Peter Parker. So what's crazy about that is... Um, 
essentially they're doing a live action version of the multiverse. The multiverse, right. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I I can go either way. I, I'm really split down the middle, Russ. I I was I was torn with multiverse because it, it's a little bit too much to 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 keep track of <laughs> for your pea brain. Yeah, I'm like, okay, so there's like all these universes and they all exist, and then like you know, we're all going now in one universe, but there's many different Spider-Mans that they're all Peter Parker, and they're wait, what? Okay, I'm just gonna put my brain down. <laughs> um, <laughs> put my brain down and pick up my Slurpee. So. Anyway, so with the live action one, it's going to be maybe the same thing or so, I mean, there's going to be, I don't know. It, 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 it almost is like Sony is saying, yeah, we can do it. It's a me too. We can do a multiverse live action too. We, the, 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 the Miles Morales version was successful. So we'll just do it in live action and, and everybody be happy. So, but it's, it's not actually Sony necessarily. It's actually the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's Kevin Feige because they're running point on it. Sony just allowed them to use Spider-Man again in for Spider-Man 3. If you recall, remember that story right. where like they were going back and forth with Disney like, hey, can we use it? And Sony's like, no, you can't. Yeah, we're more important. We're, we're yeah. more important. You know, you're, we're, you're you're more important as long as you pay us Give me more. the spandex. No, you can be a spandex. <laughs> um, so write me the check. So Sony was really successful, and I love the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse animated film. I thought that was brilliant. And I think what's, what's really cool, in terms of the multiverse itself, as an idea, if we take it as just this concept, right, I do think that it opens the door creatively for all kinds of possibilities, right? Like you you have your linear narrative, which is the standard Peter Parker gets bitten by a spider, so on, so on and so forth. Freaking hurt. Yeah. And then, you know, the idea of a multiverse is that you have all of these parallels with the same type of, of general setup but then you can go in and actually creatively have a lot of fun with like, oh, well, what if Peter Parker was, you know, Spider-Gwen? What, what if it was, uh, you know, a girl who, you know, does ballet, listens to music, that sort of thing. She, But it's the, the general thing is still the same. So on and so forth with like Miles Morales. And so what I think is, is particularly special about this type of opportunity is how... The, with the with the recent announcement of how Doctor Strange is going to be in the film, Doctor Strange is is essentially going to be acting as a conduit, right? Like if you if you remember back to Avengers: um, Infinity War, and remember how like he was floating there in that one scene, and his face is all crazy and stuff, and uh, Tony Stark says, "Hey, you know, Strange, are you okay?" And how he was talking about how he was going into the future and looking at alternate types of um, outcomes. Outcomes. Thank you. And how he had like 14,605 or something like that. So that makes perfect sense in terms of having um, Doctor Strange go into this this particular film. Um, because I think that he he's going to be the conduit that brings these different um, actors together and meet and do something. And we don't know what that is. But especially considering that these other actors have played Peter Parker in the past. They have fan followings. I mean, I think Tobey Maguire, especially in Spider-Man 1 and 2, I wasn't a fan of what he did in 3, but in 1 and 2, I, there were a lot of qualities that he possessed that I thought were, were, were exclusive to him. And again, I haven't seen Andrew Garfield in, in um, the two films that he did, but I've seen the actor in other films 
like the social network, for sure. example. And I think yeah, he's, he's good. He's an actor, yeah. Yeah. And then you and I are both big fans of Tom Holland. Like, I feel like Tom Holland is Peter Parker. Like, that, in my view, like, I feel like he has really represented the persona of Peter Parker as I know him from the comic books. And so I think it's a really cool opportunity to have these guys come together and uh, be able to share screen time just as, like, kind of a sandbox, really. Like, seeing, okay, what would happen if we had all these different folks come together? Um, and this will not just be like a, a post-credit cameo scene. Um, and I, I think that there... So I was reading some more on the article itself, and they were talking about how there is speculation that... Like, like so I think someone was, was, was um, speculating about how maybe they're going to do something that's similar to, like, if you recall in Avengers Endgame, when they had all the heroes come in and face off against the evil uh, Thanos and his his army and stuff, maybe they would do something where it would be similar in fashion. Where um, maybe there are like you know if you th- if you think of the world Spider Man, Spider Man has a lot of villains. It, it actually has sure. one of the most rich catalogs of villains out of any superhero. And perhaps there would be something where there would be so many different types of villains that were taking on Tom Holland's Spider-Man and perhaps they could band together and take him out. And I, for one, would love to see that. I think that'd be fun to see like the different Spider-Mans in their Spidey suits because all of the styles of the suits are different too. And having the different kind of like personas uh, interacting with each other and having quips and, and that sort of thing. I think personally that'd be fun. I, th- I think that's a, that's a cool idea, and I, and I I place my faith in Kevin Feige, um, as well as the the team over at the MCU, just because everything that they've done, it's like man, like they know what they're doing, and I think that this is a, a fun foray into that, that will then potentially introduce all of us into a much broader sense of of the multiverse. I could totally see them really opening Pandora's box where like you have multiple versions of Captain America, you have multiple versions of Thor, you know, my only concern is I don't want them to go too off the deep end because I think it actually, it, it, it comes back to your point really where like, you don't want to get overwhelmed. You don't want to get confused and you don't want it to like, my thing is I don't want it to um, take away from the essence of kind of the OG character unto itself. Like, I, I do like the idea of having a multiverse type of situation, but I, I don't want it to turn into like, hey, let's have like a participation trophy. Like, anybody who's anybody can become so-and-so, you know, like, like I'm like, ah, okay, let's, let's make sure that, that we have certain boundaries of respect uh, towards like, kind of like I said, like the actual creation of the character itself. But as it applies to this, I'm all in. What about you, Steve? I am, well, I, again, I am, I am halfway. I got one foot in and one foot out, Russ. I, I just don't want to be overwhelmed and I don't want, um, like, if the fan following for for Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield, they go, oh, well, he was really cool. Well, well, are we going to see him again? You know, and then all of a sudden, that like, we we go, okay, Tom Holland is cool, but we want to see Tobey Maguire because that was cool too. And then Andrew Garfield played a really good job, or, or you know, because the amazing Spider-Man, from, from people I have talked to and met and talked to about, they're like, yeah, that wasn't my favorite. 
And so, but if he like reprises the role and does a great job, and then now the fans go, hey, instead of Tom Holland, we want, we also want to see more Spider-Man, but with Tobey Maguire, or but with, and now so the Spider-Man goes three different directions with three different stories, and I don't know, I just, <laughs> I don't know. I honestly wonder if, if Sony's hoping that will happen. In a way that might be. They are looking at it like, okay, how can we make more money off of this? Sure. Right? Like, like they're going to be like, okay, if we can get even more Spidey, uh, then that would be fantastic. Or like, uh, so so Tom Holland might be the Spidey that's involved with the MCU. And so whenever they do stuff with Spider-Man, it's going to be Tom Holland. But Sony on their own be like, yeah, well, you know what? You got to We'll have your own uh, Spider-Man over here sort of thing. And now they split off, you know, so Andrew Garfield continues whatever story he wants to do. Separate MCU. And then Tom Holland is Spider-Man with the MCU. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and, and see, when I think of the villains also, for instance, like, you know, Jamie Foxx is now going to be part of the Spider-Man 3 uh, situation. And when it comes to like, like kind of like what they're talking about with, maybe they're going to have multiple villains also reprising their roles. Think about Venom in terms of, um, oh, what's his name? I just had it and I lost it. Who, 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 play, who played Eddie Brock? Yeah, <laughs> what, did you say Eddie Brock? Eddie Brock. <laughs> that, that, that is the comic book character, <laughs> yeah. yes. Well, who's the actor? What's the actor's name? Uh, I could see him. Oh, he was... Um, oh, it's going to drive me up the wall. I had his name in my head, and I lost it. Oh. If only there was a device where you could look up a web page like IMDb really quickly and figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna check because this is driving me nuts. I cannot believe I did that. Oh, oh, I lost it again. I had it right there. Looking it up. Oh my gosh, I see his face right here. What the heck? Tom Hardy. Hardy. My goodness. That is just. Ugh. You know what's embarrassing about that is that we're both huge Tom Hardy fans. And uh, I just had a brain fart. That's all, you know, I own up to it. So anyway, what I was going to say before that train wreck was how amazing would it be if also Tom Hardy made an appearance in Spider-Man 3 as well, since they're kind of doing this whole combination multiverse, Spider-Verse kind of thing. I would love it if like all of a sudden Tom Hardy was in there as Venom because all he has been in is his standalone movie. Watch them make another one. And how cool would it be if Tom Hardy could become part of the MCU? I mean, I would love it. Sign me up if Tom Hardy suddenly became part of the MCU as well. I think he'd, be, he'd make a fabulous addition to the MCU stable. Right. Anyway, moving on from there, Joaquin Phoenix to play Napoleon in Ridley Scott's new epic. So Deadline says the movie is called uh, Kitbag which is derived from the saying, there's a general's staff hidden in every soldier's kit bag. I have never heard of that before. That's probably because I'm dumb. The movie will follow Napoleon's full life as he rose to become emperor of the French and will be told through the relationship between Napoleon and his first wife, Josephine. It will be the first time that Joaquin Phoenix has worked with Ridley Scott since Gladiator. So that's pretty cool. Like, you know, 20 plus years later, it's like, I remember me. Hey, it's good to see you. Oh, you're still kicking too? Oh, cool. 
You, uh, you formed any bad habits lately? No? No? Yeah? Oh. Right. <laughs> we see we both have beards. Cool. All right. <laughs> I am uh, looking forward to this, though. I think Ridley Scott um, has made quite a few great films in our time. Um, I, I will, you know, it's interesting, too. There are certain films that I haven't been as big of a fan as others that he's done. It's, it's been interesting. However, certain films. Um, like for instance, there was this one, I can't remember if it was called like kingdom of heaven or something like that, but it had Orlando Bloom as a knight, and it had like Liam Neeson in it and some others and stuff. And, um, when I saw it in the theater, I found it to be kind of like ho-hum. Like it, it didn't have the, the immediate appeal of like a gladiator, like, like what he did, but I've seen that movie um, since that time I, I saw it in its release. And actually there is quite a bit of like cerebral stuff in there that I, for one, appreciate. And maybe it's because I'm older now as opposed to when I saw it, or maybe I have been able to digest more from what the content was. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting to me to, to see how this particular film is going to play out. Also, too, Joaquin Phoenix is, is flying high after winning Best Actor in Joker, and he was crazy awesome in that movie. So for him to go in and play someone like Napoleon, one of the things about Napoleon, if you recall, is that Napoleon was short. He, he was not a very tall person at all, so that's kind of an aside. But I do, I do uh, wonder how they're going to, I don't know, make Joaquin hey. shorter. Trick photography rush. They made Hobbits. That's very true. It's very interesting. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, though? I, I have not heard your take. Are, does that interest you? Does that make you curious? Are, are you yeah. excited to see what they come up with? Yeah, I'm about excited. I'm curious. I'm definitely curious. Joaquin, he's got to pull something else out of the bag because, um, I mean, I don't know much about Napoleon, to be honest, but... Um, I've seen Walking Phoenix just really act like Walking Phoenix in every movie starring Walking Phoenix, and so I think he's got to bring something else different to the to the to this one. Well, when it comes to Napoleon, well, I, I just wanted to add that I'm a big fan of history, whether it's American history or world history. All right, Russ, I heard, and, you, uh, I heard you flunked. Uh, no, actually, I got A's. <laughs> I like myself a good history lesson. Ah, uh, teacher's pet. When it comes to <laughs> When it comes to this, though, I, I am curious to, to find out more information. I, and I hope it's historically accurate just because I actually don't know a ton about the life of Napoleon. So it'll be interesting. Finally, James Bond producers do not want the next 007 to be a Daniel Craig copycat, Steve. James Bond uh, producers Barbara Brocelli and Michael G. Wilson have said that they're looking for Daniel Craig's successor to reimagine the role. In an interview with Total Film, Brocelli, a longtime producer of the franchise, confirmed that the team has not yet found an actor to fill the soon-to-be-vacant James Bond role. Steve, I think you should apply. I will. Though she expressed her confidence in finding the right person to step into the tuxedo after Craig's final outing as 007 in the 25th Bond film, No Time to Die, uh, which is now scheduled actually to hit theaters in 2021. It is officially no longer on the docket for 2020. I think 2020 <laughs> just uh, flipped the bird to each and every film. It was like, nope, not going to happen. So they're all getting pushed out. Uh, what was interesting too was how they went on to talk about that they are open to the idea of having 
um, the character James Bond be played potentially by um, a different actor of race. But although they were pretty quick to talk about how the, the character itself is going to be remaining as a male character since that was the archetype um, originally set up. So I'm very curious to see who they come up with. I, for one, was skeptical when Daniel Craig was first announced, but then after the first film, The Casino Royale, um, and then pretty much every movie subsequently after that film that Daniel Craig has done, I think I have been a huge fan of how they have presented those movies. I think they've done a terrific job. So it's going to be neat to see how they reimagine the world of Bond because I, I really do feel like they, they did a, a bang-up job with the Daniel Craig version. And um, well, I guess we'll just, we'll just have to see. Idris Elba, what are your... Um, that's the new James Bond. Are you are you a fan of the Daniel Craig James Bond films? Yes, you are. Like yes, like, like largely so or so so. Oh, I love the Daniel Craig James Bond. I would say I like the the the, the Daniel Craig James Bond better than the Pierce Brosnan James Ooh, Bond. That, that's saying something. Because well, okay, I know. You know, it is and it isn't in the sense that the Pierce Brosnan films, like like the earlier ones, I thought were really good, oh. and then they just got. Really uh, bad. Just got weird, didn't it? <laughs> Did you think the Daniel Craig uh, James Bond films are better than the Sean Connery James mm. Bond films? They're close. They are close. close. They are close. Sean Connery had the uh, showmanship, and it, it, but but Daniel Craig does too. I gotta rewatch the Sean Connery ones because I don't know if it, if the fight scenes with Bond with Sean Connery were that good. I just think he really had that confident role and was amazing on camera and of course amazingly handsome as well. Oh yes. So, uh, but Daniel Craig can bring it when he <laughs> needs to. So, <laughs> well, it, I you know I just thought about how Christopher Nolan brought a certain level of. Reality and accessibility to Batman when he did the Batman Begins, Batman Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, in that same vein almost, where there like the fighting and stuff was way more realistic. It was not nearly as um, comic booky or campy, campy. as, as yeah. some of the uh, the, the older the, Batman films. That's the word for it, Russ. And I think it's the same here, but I don't view the shot. Bow, do bow, pow, kick. <laughs> well, that's the TV show. Slam. <laughs> But like even the, you know, when you think of the Tim Burton Batman films, there really wasn't a lot of prolonged fighting. It was just kind of like these these one punch kind of things, and they were. Done. Yeah, all right, I give up. <laughs> Don't hurt me. <laughs> Call my agent. Yeah, I'll sue you. <laughs> COVID nineteen. Uh, but anyway. I do think that it, it, that's one of the things that I, I thought were uh, were very cool. Anyway, uh, let's go over to gaming news, Steve, because we've got some, some little nuggets in here as well. First of all, Ghost of Tsushima version 1.1. So they actually have packed quite a bit of goodies into this release. And it'll probably cause me to go back into the game, and I'm totally fine right. with that. So they have a custom gear loadout that they're mm -hmm. featuring in there, which consists of these slots that allow for combining every article of clothing from different sets of the armor that you have collected, which is, I think that's pretty fun because there are certain things from each um, armored set that I think, well, you know, what would it look like if you combine it with this and that? I hope it's not a train wreck. I doubt it is. 
They are, now one of the biggest things that they are going to be including is New Game Plus. That makes me very happy. It's fantastic. Because essentially we will be able to take everything, every skill, ability that we have unlocked, start hey. the game from that point on, kicking a whole lot of ass. You might uh, be able to beat the uh, the first baddie and for the first go around instead of getting knocked off the bridge. You're like, uncle, what yeah. up? I'm yeah. here. <laughs> Remember me? Oh, it's going to be a whole lot worse for you. <laughs> So they also are including a new horse. Yeah, you know, I'm always up for having uh, additional Roach. livestock. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Special <laughs> guest Roach from Witcher Three. New mysterious merchant with goodies and clothing dyes. I know you're quite a fan of the clothing dye opportunity yeah. there, Steve. I am. Russ, little tie dye here. There. Powerful new charms and trophies will also be available mm. in the 1.1 patch. Four-player survival missions. So. Awesome. One of the things about this, I was not aware that it was going to be limited to just survival missions. I was hoping there'd be a little bit more, but having said that, I will gladly take the survival missions. Take anything. Especially considering the fact that they have four unique classes. They have a hunter class, an assassin class, ronin, and samurai, which kind of makes me wonder if there will be noticeable gameplay differences, almost like when we played Anthem, right? You had your your, right. your different classes of the uh, the javelins, and I wonder if that's going to be the case here, in which case I think that's fine. That's actually one of the highlights of the Anthem game was like, wow, you could tell there was a, a noticeable difference in the gameplay experience. Sure. The other thing, though, that has me very excited about this is that there is a two-player story mission mode. The one thing I'm wondering is, does that mean that you'll be able to play through the entire single-player campaign with a two-player mm. co-op feature, or are they going to cherry-pick, like, well, here's, like, one story mission that you can do. Here's another well, story mission that, yeah, you can do, but you can't do that one. <laughs> no. I don't know if they would do that so much. They'd probably have, like, specific stories laid out or, like, raids. I don't know, maybe raid's the wrong word, but like, uh, you know, if, if there's a big Mongol camp, then maybe you could just do a raid on that. And that would be fun. Yeah. I'd be down for that. I have one word to say to that, Russ. Adadakimas. Well, ah. uh, let me tell you one other thing, Tuesday. <laughs> it would be really fun if you could face off against the Mongol leader on that bridge that uh -huh. you just mentioned, mm -hmm. but instead of you, there's two of you. You're like, Oh, yeah. Let's bring it on, fat yeah, man. You get the front, I'll get the back. I'm going to get the goblet out of that guy's <laughs> hand if it's the last thing I do. Man drinks too much. Adadakimas means thank you in Japanese. Just so you're aware, Russ. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> thank you. Arigato. <laughs> so when it comes to the final thing on here is that apparently they also have post-launch raids. Which sounds strikingly familiar as if, you know, if you're playing like a MMO and you have your, your raid campaigns, maybe it's kind of like a Diet Coke version of that. I have no idea. I'm not sure uh, if it's just linear or if, it, if you can actually earn stuff over time. That remains to be seen. Going away from Ghost of Tsushima for now and going into Overwatch. It's been a hot minute since we talked about Overwatch. But they have their seasonal event, the Halloween Terror 2020, filled with what you'd expect, your weekly challenges, new skins, new highlight intros, new emotes, and, of course, Steve's personal favorite, Junkenstein's Revenge. 
Do you think that you will be making time to go through that and enjoy yes, it? Yes, that's what I, that's, that's like the, the best season for Overwatch for me is Halloween. More so than Winter Wonderland, Steve? More so! Well, I will tell you that I do think that it is one of the fun things to do for the weeks leading up to Halloween. I think, especially when it comes to gaming, I, I can't think of a better game that has a seasonal event in the spirit of Halloween than Overwatch. I couldn't imagine another reason to yell at the kids to get away from my front door, the candy's outside, then saying, hey, I'm playing Overwatch, go away, candy's outside. Uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, say the name, Steve. I just want to hear you say it one time. Oh, the name of the game, Steve. Oh, well. Overwatch. I love it. Finally, we have Cyberpunk 2077, which showed off a trailer for the vehicle classes. So they have, I believe, about five main classes. The first one is Economy, which comp are comprised, or is comprised, is comprised. Thank you, Russ. Thank you. No problem. I'll stop talking to myself and congratulating myself. Anyway, I'm when it's going to leave, you're going to finish <laughs> that conversation by yourself. So the economy class consists of low-end clunkers, all the, the the very affordable class of cars that anybody can afford. Then you go from the there. Toyota to, Corollas. Exactly. You have your executive class of vehicles. Camrys. It's kind of the, the more like, oh, you want some street cred? Here, you go into the executive class. Then they have your heavy-duty class, which are like your armored cars and tanks. Hummers. You have your sport class, which, of course, that for all the street racing fans out there, Ferraris. has a little more uh, flair to the car. And then you have your hyper cars. McLaren. And essentially, those are the ones that, man, if you want to roll down uh, Night City and uh, have people instantly just give you the respect that uh, perhaps you deserve, right. then yeah, you want to have the car. Did you see the trailer? I didn't, Russ. Oh, uh, well, Steve, that's because you suck. Anyway, we, <laughs> uh, I do want you to watch it, though, because they have some fun designs in there, and you being mm. the car guy, hey. I I wish I'm you did. sure. Because I want you to, I want to know if, if there are any that strike your fancy. Well, Russ, the game should be out, like, next month. You know? I do know. ourselves a lovely user experience it's time for the topic of the day Topic of the day is the PS5 UI impressions. So, excuse me, what was that? I had to get ready for this one. <laughs> or not. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, T-bone my thought process there. Uh, so, uh, I PS5 guess... PS5 user experience, Russ. We watched it. We did. We, we watched it. Uh, Sony had released a video that gave a high-level overview of what we can expect with the PS5. So what do you think of the UI layout, Steve? Well, I think it's a little bit too... It's it's like busy by not being busy, or it's still busy as like unorganized in a sense, where like it seemed as though 
depending on how many notifications you have, it's going to be like this long litany list of one row that you have to scroll through to get to certain notifications. Um, I mean, which is kind of like, I mean, you, you don't get those kept of notifications on the PS4 right now, but you still have like this one row you got all the way through to get where you want to get. And this seems like even longer. That being said, though, they're thinking of stuff that maybe I would use, maybe I wouldn't use. I'm not really sure. It's kind of like the social media of sorts, but just for your PlayStation. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? So my thing is also that I've used my, my PlayStation not paying for PlayStation Plus. And with this dashboard, a lot of these features, you got to pay for PlayStation Plus, which I'm sure most people already do. So they're already going to get it. I'm most likely not going to use it. Some of the features were pretty good. One thing I was wanting to uh, see was when they switched from one game to the next game, the the second game basically had to start from the get-go. They started the game. But what if, like, you say, hey, you're playing Ghost of Tsushima, Let's play Avengers. And I'll go, great. Uh, I already already started playing Avengers. I was waiting for you playing another game. Let's go back. And if I switch games, is it going to start the game all over again? Or is it going to pick up right where I left off with the second game? Because right now, like if I switch, if I play Star Wars Squadrons, and I'm going to go, okay, I want to go back to where I last was with Ghost of of Tsushima. It's got to reload the entire game, which is fine, but... You know, with the more advanced hardware, I would assume it'd be pretty quick. I think I have the answer to that. And the answer is that you will because of the solid state drive that comes with both the PlayStation and the Xbox. But I wish they would have said that. I mean, that that might be the case. I think they did. I'm pretty sure they did because they they were and they've been pushing it uh, just because that is one of the features of an SSD hard drive as opposed to what we currently have, which is not uh, an SSD. So yes, you will be able to go back and forth and resume where you left off, which is convenient. I, I think it's a nice evolutionary step. I think we, I'm going to have to see it to believe it, Russ. Okay. So what did you think? So I think that there were aspects to it that I liked. I, I do like how, um, well, let me back up. The PS4 UI is, it's it's a little clunky to me. It's not uh, what I would have preferred. And when it comes to this, you can tell that they, they are trying to retain some of what they have with the PS4 and consolidate it so that more of it is instantly viewable on the screen without having to scroll to the right. And I think that that is... That's a very good thing. I also think, too, that they have certain features that make me happy in terms of my my gaming experience that I think are appropriate for a next-gen UI. So, for instance, like they call um, kind of the main home screen, it, it, they call it the control center, which is nice. I, I like that, that name. Um, And essentially it's comprised of like an options bar that exists on the bottom of the screen. And so if you are playing a game and you want to bring this up and, and you want to be able to make uh, choices, you can do so. Or if you want to go directly to more of like, kind of like the, the control center home screen itself, then it becomes more front and center. But I like the accessibility of it. I like how if you want to be able to have a number of, of different types of options at your disposal, it's not hard to find. I, that was kind of one of my gripes about the PS4 UI is the settings screens were kind of, 
hard to get to, like if they weren't just instantly available for you. So I thought that that was really cool. And within the control center, I mean, you have like different options. I can go to the home screen. You can go to your profile, um, see which friends are online, your music, your sound options, your microphone, your, you know, whether, whether or not you want to power on or off the system, your controller status, et cetera. Like to me, it's, it's kind of Sony's version of what Microsoft has where like when you hit the guide button on, on the Xbox controller, it brings up that kind of little inset menu and it has a lot of those same type of options that make it more conveniently available, whether you're in a game uh, or you're in the, the Xbox dashboard itself. So I, I mean, I applaud Sony for, for doing that because I do think that is a, a good approach. Now, one of the things that they also have in the, the UI is what they call cards. And this has been a trending idea within the UI UX community. As someone who is a UI UX designer, I can tell you that this has been um, more and more of a popular choice. And it, there's a reason for that. It's because it's actually an easily digestible format. When, when, it, when it comes to a user, when like you're, you're going through and you're trying to see what you have available, it doesn't just like vomit everything at you at once, right? So in these cards, they let you interact um, with games and the system in a variety of ways. Um, they have one card that's kind of like, like the official news. And, I, and th these are things that I think would be fun to kind of go down as a kind of a laundry list, right? Um, I like the idea of the official news card, right? Where like you have news on that particular game that you're playing, or maybe it's news on games that you have filtered as games of interest for you that you want to always be in the know of, right? So you don't have to sit there and like go onto YouTube and do a search and type, you know, spend time typing stuff in. You can actually have this curated to only be the games that you're interested in that you want to see. I think that's convenient. I think that's cool. Um, now the next card is um, like, it's, it's the whole recent media, right? So any kind of pictures or video that you've captured from gameplay, you can instantly view them right there. You don't have to be jettisoned out of your game and, and you don't have to also necessarily to my understanding, you don't have to actually um, only view media that is based on the game that you are currently in. You can literally view all of your media from all your different games right there. That's nice. It's like, it's readily available. Now, another part um, another card that they have is what they're calling activities. And these are both active and suggested. So activities shows your objectives um, for, from like the current game you are playing um, that you haven't met yet how much time is left within certain levels of the game um, and then be able to also jump directly to that corresponding part of the game. Those are all really nice as well, because like one of the questions that we always ask is like, how much longer, or how much do you think that you have to go before you finish this level? Or, Hey, how, how far into the game are you? And we're always kind of guessing, right? We're like, well, I'm like 15% yeah. of the way through or whatever. And it is kind of nice just as like a, a, a data analytics point of view where it's like, oh, okay, I now know I am a certain part of the, or percentage, I should say, of the way through the game. The only thing I will say is it does take out a little bit of the guesswork, which could be almost a spoiler in a way. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is, is, I mean, a lot of games nowadays, they'll, they'll tell you somewhere on the option menu, like, hey, you're 33% of the way done, you're half the way percent, you know, done. 
And so, but I, I, I think even though that's useful, I really don't care because if I'm really enjoying the game, I don't really want to know that, Hey, you're almost done with the whole entire game. Like, and then it's going to be over and you have to start the, you know, the whole thing. What part I did appreciate though, is like if there's an achievement or there's something to unlock and it's not necessarily part of the, of the completion of the game, it's just something extra. It saves you time of going, oh, man, I, I've been playing this thing for three hours of trying to find this. You know, how do I just do it? And then you have to pause it and get, grab your phone or switch to YouTube right, and yeah. see it, you know, if someone else has done it and how they did it. It, it just kind of shows you, which. Well, again, and, and you're, you're talking about how one of the cards that they have available is called Game Help. Right. And and that's you know, apparently the way that they're pitching it is that Game Help is available for PlayStation Plus members on certain games, which is kind of the key phrase right there. It's not available for every single game on certain games. Um, and you can watch these video hints on screen in picture in picture mode while you're playing your own game or as a sidebar, you know, that they, they've actually been very methodical in making different types of options available to you to be able to see this stuff. If you so choose to look at it. I almost kind of think it's a, it's a drawback though, because some YouTube creators, that's, that's, how they make their living is to That's true. play these games nonstop, you know, day in, day out, and they've become experts. They've you've got this achievement. Plus, I mean, it it it, it brings a little bit out of the out of the quality of the achievement if they just tell you how to do it from the get go, and then there's almost not that as much work into getting the achievement. So that brings up one of the thoughts that I have regarding this, in the sense that what is the the delivery system going to be when it comes to game help? Because I could see them like, like, is it going to be something that is up to the developers where the developers have to create basically like these how to videos or, or these tips and tricks videos if they want to, like, do do they, do they leave it up to them or is it going to be more open ended where they have some sort of comprehensive search feature in the UI that goes out to like YouTube, for instance, goes to the gaming influencers and the folks who really put a lot of time and effort into that and make those videos also part of the game help. I think that would be swell. Honestly, I think it'd be so cool. I'm using, I'm using an outdated word swell. And the other thing that they talked about was that game help also makes an effort to hide game spoilers, which again, I appreciate that that's forward thinking when it comes to the user experience, right? Because yeah, I could totally see myself. Like if there's a game that I just, for whatever reason, I can't get past a part or whatever. And I just want some help. It's nice that they have integrated that into the overall PS five UI ecosystem, because one of the, the, like, like to your point, one of the, the crappy things is like, if I have to pull out my phone or I have to pull out my laptop or whatever and have to do a search to find out how to get past something, at that point, I have exited myself from the overall experience, whether it's within the Xbox dashboard or it's the PlayStation UI, whatever it may be. And it's nice to have these things consolidated into one space. I appreciate that from a, a, a solely UI UX type of, of uh, environment. Now they also have in terms of, you know, going back to the cards that they, they have interactive notifications that you can respond to. Again, 
we saw that in a limited capacity on the Xbox where like, you know, one of my favorite things, and I think you love this too, is the idea that you have these little notifications that pop up uh, most of the time on the bottom, right? Like so-and-so signed on. Oh, so-and-so sent you a message. You have unlocked this achievement, whatever. And you can press a, the guide button on the Xbox controller to like, while that's on screen to be able to go directly to that. And I think that that's, that's actually a nice feature. This is in the same vein in the sense where not only is it a notification, but then you can expand that notification and then be able to have certain levels of interactivity with it. So for instance, if so-and-so invited you to a party, you can then expand that out and then, you know, select, yes, I want to join or whatever else. I feel like these are like, 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 this one in particular is a nod to the Xbox dashboard in the sense like, like if you click a button, when you see a notification, it comes up, it then brings up the sidebar and then you can, you know, see your party populate and everything else. So I don't think it's like something that we haven't seen before. I do think that it is a kind of an evolutionary step. And so I think that that's a very good thing because with the PS4, um, I do think some of the more like party up online type of experience, it's a bit lacking. It's not as robust as Xbox. I think that's one of the things that Xbox has an edge over the PS4 currently is that they have a much better thought out um, Xbox lives, if you will, experience. But what do you think? No, I think that they're, they're taking features back and forth from what, what, has been successful in Microsoft and wasn't maybe what has or has not been successful with PlayStation. And of course they want to, you know, copy this and copy that to make it a more interactive, uh, you know, robust experience and, and keep you within the PlayStation uh, longer uh, instead of, you know, switching applications or completely stopping play altogether or cause that, that was one thing too. And like Microsoft, if you, if you got a, a notification, like, you know, if I sent you a message and you wanted to see the message, then it would completely exit you out of the game, and then you would see the message, and yes, you could reply, or no, you couldn't reply, and then you go back into the game. Right. This keeps the game not necessarily going, but in the background, in the visible background, and you can you know do multitasking and then go back to the game. So in that way, it's pretty smart. Um, I will say one other thing, you know, speaking of messages... The text to speech is, you know, you would think it would already be here since we're in 2020 and our, all of our phones could do it. And I mean, it's been available since like 2010 um, that finally we could we can do it now with the PlayStation. I wonder if Microsoft's going to pick that up because I think that is awesome. I don't have one of those <laughs> little keyboards for your controller where you can type it out. So I'm literally like, okay, over, 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 hey, <laughs> over, 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 over. You know, you are, <laughs> you know, and that takes me forever. So if I could just pick up the controller and go, what up? Yeah, <laughs> send. You know that's gonna save me <laughs> tons of time. Well, and, and on Microsoft side, they have had that technology with their Connect. Like if you had a Connect um, with your Xbox, um, I was doing that since 2013, where I could utilize the voice command on there, and I, I would say it worked pretty decently. I think that that it was not as. Uh, I don't, I don't think that they had the technology at the time that kept up with like the mobile phones of today. I think that the mobile phones um, have continuously improved upon their tech because I think when they released it for the phones, it was also kind of, 
eh, like it worked like half the time and then they got it improved so that works most of the time. And now it works, I would say just about all of the time. So yeah, I mean, when it comes to the voice dictation, that is something I'm very um, excited about. I'm, I hope it works as well as, as it should. Uh, but I like the idea of how the, the, the Sony PlayStation controller, the PS five controller does have a mic embedded into it. I think that even going beyond the UI expanding into games as a possible gameplay feature. I think that's a really cool thing. Now, one of the other things I'm very excited about that they showed is the share screen. And if you recall, Steve, that is where if you want to watch a friend play their game while you're playing your game and have like a pip on screen, you can do so. I love this idea because one of the things I'm always curious about is like, if you're playing a different game, than me, then I'm, I'm just naturally curious to see what you're up to and just feel more connected. And I think it'd be the same with, with other folks too on my friends list. Like if there's someone who's playing something and perhaps it's a game I don't own, or it's a, just a, a game that I want to see what kind of, um, moment to moment experiences you're having. It just makes for a more connected experience. And I think that is really, really cool. And honestly, I hope that Microsoft has something like that for their Xbox Series X dashboard UI. I hope that it's also better than the quality that sometimes I get, like on Twitch, for example. Like if I if I watch somebody play a game, sometimes the quality is good. Sometimes it's pretty terrible, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, they also have, um, well, and, and I, I do think to your, to what you're talking about, I don't think that the performance will be bad. I Like I said, when it comes to consoles, they've got their specs all set up and, excuse me, set up in such a way where you're going to have a, a, a pretty smooth experience. So I, I think I, th- I think we're going to be good to go when it comes to that. They were also talking about... Um, the, uh, you know, in terms of the PlayStation 5 home screen, how they're trying to make as much of that readily available for consumption without having to scroll. There is a little bit of scrolling that still exists, um, but they they also have the idea of being able to explore where you can view. Um, well, let me, let me back up a bit. So on the home screen, they have like an online multiplayer gaming option. They have the, the, uh, the explore, which is you get to view all of your games. You can drill down into that game. Um, when it comes to, to game specific news, the community around that game, et cetera, that has existed already in the PS4, but it looks like it's a little more well integrated in the PS5 UI. So it remains, honestly, it remains to be seen for me. I need to have hands on in order to really make a right. judgment call on that. Um, the store is now a native app within the menu system as opposed to with the PS4. It was kind of more of like a little plug-in add-on thing. So I think that that's kind of a nod once again to Microsoft in terms of how well integrated they have their Xbox store as part of the overall menu system. So overall, I mean, I think that they have um, a, a, a nice suite of different types of tools that they have put into the UI itself. I'm pleased to see that, that they have been more forward thinking. It does make me wonder what the Xbox Series X dashboard UI will consist of. If I had to guess, I'm probably 
going to expect to see 90% of what they have shown here also in there because I, I just it just makes sense to like, well, these are things that gamers have been dealing with or asking for. And so as a result, I I do think that Microsoft is going to uh, support these as well. What about you? Yeah, I would say so. One one more thing I wanted to mention about the the dashboard is what I always thought is is classy is to have something moving in the background, whether whether it's looking like a lava lamp, like the current PlayStation kind of looks like, or it's something moving and sparkling because the Xbox dashboard, everything is just static. It's just an image there and you cycle through it, which is not terrible because you're spending more time in the game than you are the dashboard. But uh, it just makes that part of the, the experience just pleasant. Um, it really does. I mean, sometimes when I keep my PlayStation on and I'm trying to do other stuff, um, like if I, um, I'm playing a game and then I have to fold clothes or vacuum or something, but I don't want to completely turn the system off because I'm going to go back to it. I'll leave it on. And it's kind of nice to have on in, in a way. So, um, but I don't want it to be a completely picture image. I want it to be moving. Otherwise mm. I'd put it on the wall. I wouldn't keep the TV on. So um, I, I really like that. I'm actually looking forward to seeing how much, if any, uh, customization you could do. I'm almost positive you're able to do something because you can customize the current dashboard. Uh, but I think that's going to look really cool. And I, 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 I keyed on that right away. I do uh, anticipate that we will have a, a episode dedicated to the Xbox Series X dashboard UI once we know what, what it consists of and what's going on. And it, it'd be nice once we have the systems in hand to be able to kind of recircle and, and return back around to what we think of, of these UIs, which one we think will be better. If I had to make a guess right now, I would say I'm probably still going to be preferring the Xbox experience just because I've, I've really been impressed with a lot of what Microsoft has done. Uh, my favorite was still the Xbox 360 UI experience. I think that they really nailed a lot of things in there with regards to feeling connected to my friends, to the gaming community. There were just a lot of things that were very easy to get to. And you just, you felt like you were part of the overall ecosystem with the Xbox one. I felt as though there were certain things about it that left me feeling disconnected as a gamer. Like, like, and I think they were able to improve upon it in parts, like little things here and there, but then they kept like every time they would make an improvement with something else, then something else would suffer. Like the current Xbox dashboard, I'm not happy with. I hate how they removed the idea of having the, the categories at the top that were horizontally placed that you could use the bumper buttons and just get to. I really like that as a kind of a categorical theme of sorts. And now they, they've done away with that. But you know, one of the things that they have done well is I really like the idea of the, the, the kind of the guide menu, right? You press the guide, it comes up as kind of like this, this little inset overlay that comes up on the left-hand side of the screen. And there, um, is a lot of, of different features and options that, that are just, I don't know, they're laid out in a way that's very easy to digest. So like, you know, it's kind of a give and take kind of thing. Again, we'll just have to wait and see on that. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, which is spelled J-O-Y-G-A-S-M, and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. 
Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. Take care, everybody.